Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Turquoise Hill First Quarter Financial Results Conference Call. At this time, all lines are in a listen-only mode. Following the presentation, we will conduct a question and answer session. If at any time during this call you need assistance, please press star zero for the operator. This call is being recorded on Thursday, May 13, 2021. I would now like to turn the conference over to Roy McDowell. Please go ahead. Thank you, Joanna. Good morning. I'm Roy McDowell, Head of Investor Relations and Communications. Welcome to our first quarter 2021 financial results conference call. On Wednesday, we released our first quarter 2021 results press release, MD&A, and financial statements. These items are available on our website and CDAR. With me today in the call are Steve Thibault, our interim CEO, Luke Colton, our CFO, and Joanne Dudley, our COO. This call and presentation includes certain forward-looking statements and information. We refer you to the forward-looking statements section of the annual information form dated March 8, 2021, as supplemented by our MD&A for the three months ended March 31st, 2021. And now I'd like to turn the call over to Steve. Thank you, Roy, and good morning to everyone. Thank you for joining us for our first quarter 2021 financial earnings call. The first quarter of 2021 has proven to be an eventful quarter. Audio de Goy reported exceptionally strong revenues in copper and gold production, and although we paid an unscheduled $356 million to the government of Mongolia for tax assessment, modified our mine design to adapt to the Q4 geotechnical events and face increased safety measures due to the COVID surge in Mongolia, our expected funding gap has remained unchanged at $2.3 billion, and our liquidity has also remained unchanged at Q3 2022. The Auditor team has continued to show their outstanding ability to adapt to the challenges they face, and we continue to focus on reaching first sustainable production in Q4 2022. In addition, shortly after the quarter ended, we announced a binding head of agreement with Rio Tinto that provides an updated funding plan for the completion of the Oritogoy underground development. The impact of COVID-19 on our operation and underground development continued to fluctuate through Q2. And we are proud of how the team has prioritized safety of our workers and local communities. I will not walk through the first quarter of 2021 update as efficiently as possible and open the call up to Q&A. Please note slide two and three contain our cautionary statements and I encourage you to read through them. Please move forward to slide five. Operationally, the first quarter was extremely positive for both a, from both a safety and production perspective. Olutogoy achieved an all-injury frequency rate of 0.2 per 200,000 hours work during the quarter and continued to maximize production from the open pit from Q1 production 
of 45,000 tons of copper and 146 ounces of gold. Auditorgoiz has updated the copper and gold production forecast for 2021 and is now expected to produce 150,000 to 180,000 tons of copper and 400,000 to 480,000 ounces of gold. This update guidance incorporates the impact of the modified mine design due to the geotechnical issue in Q4 2020 and the impact of the increased precautionary measures we have had to introduce due to the recent COVID surge in Mongolia. The company is currently assessing the significance and extent of the impact resulting from the COVID-19 pressures. The vaccination program in Mongolia continued to roll out, and as of yesterday, it is estimated that over 80% of the adult population have received their first dose, while over 30% have received their second dose. We are seeing area of our operation where we believe we can start to relax some of the COVID-related precautionary measures, but remain vigilant in ensuring the safety of our employees in the community. At the end of March 2021, Turco had $700 million of available liquidity, which is expected to fund our operations and underground development into Q3 2022. As stated earlier, our expected funding gap remains unchanged at $2.3 billion. The improved copper price in Q1 largely mitigated the impact of the unscheduled tax payment and we remain encouraged with the commodity pricing we have seen so far in the second quarter. Moving to slide six. Breaking down our operating performance during the first quarter, in addition to the strong production mentioned in the highlights, our mill throughput remained above nameplate capacity, while our C1 copper cash costs were eight cents per pound. However, We'll also note the reduced 2021 production outlook we provided in the highlights. The reduction from our previous outlook reflects the modification of the mine design in phase 4B to resolve the geotechnical concern related to a multi-bench failure in December 2020 and the impact on productivity and increased uncertainty resulting from COVID-related control now in place at site. The challenges of managing the impact of COVID-19 on both our open pit and underground operation continue through the second quarter. The underground development and concentrate shipments continue to ramp up since the clearing force measure, measure towards the end of Q1, while Oyutogoi uh, continue to prioritize the health and safety of its employee and cooperate with the government of Mongolia as vaccination program rolls out. With that, I will now end the call over to Luke Colton, our Chief Financial Officer. Thanks, Steve, and good morning to everyone on the call. Uh, please turn to slide seven for a summary of our key financial metrics for Q1. Revenue for Q1 2021 increased 303% versus Q1 2020. And that's driven by a 29% increase in copper production and a 462% increase in gold production 
as well as increases of 52% and 14% in the average prices of copper and gold, respectively. The improved production metrics reflect the scheduled move to the higher grade areas of Phase 4B, which we expect to see continue throughout the remainder of the year. The increase in revenue was, was the primary reason for the $247 million increase in cash generated from operating activities before interest and tax although the revenue benefit was partially offset by unfavorable movements in working capital and deferred revenue relating to the force majeure that was announced in March of 2021. The $157 million increase in gold revenue credits was the main reason for the significant decrease in the unit cost basis for both C1 cash costs and all-in sustaining costs, together with the benefit arising from the increased copper production. The full year guidance range for C1 cash costs has been adjusted to negative 20 cents to 20 cents per pound of copper produced, which is mainly a result of the, of the decrease in gold production guidance for 2021. Capital expenditure in Q1 2021 was 250 million, comprising 242 million on the underground and 8 million on the open pit. The slowdown has been so far in 2021 which is principally due to the impact of COVID-19 restrictions and controls, has led us to reduce our full-year guidance for underground capital to a range of 900 million to a billion. And for open pit capital, the full-year guidance has been reduced to a range of 105 million to 125 million. You can please turn to slide eight. Um, you'll see that Turquoise still had liquidity of 0.7 billion at the end of Q1 2021, which is expected to be sufficient to meet our, need, our, our requirements into Q3 of 2022. Although the company made unscheduled tax payments to the Mongolian tax authority of 356 million in Q1 2021, operational performance, strong sales, and pricing allowed the company to, ma to maintain its liquidity horizon. Additionally, our base case incremental funding requirement has remained at $2.3 billion, and we, of course, continue to monitor commodity markets, the undercut, COVID-19 impacts, and other key assumptions in assessing our future funding requirements. Looking forward, we are engaging with the relevant stakeholders to advance implementation of the Heads of Agreement with Rio Tinto, and we will continue to provide updates in due course with respect to progress made. Our liquidity outlook and estimated incremental funding requirement will continue to be impacted either positively or negatively by various factors, many of which are outside the company's control. Successful implementation of such options may require us to achieve alignment and agreement with the relevant stakeholders, which would include Rio Tinto, existing lenders, any, pot any potential new lenders, as well as the government of Mongolia. With that, I will hand the call over to Joanne Dudley, our Chief Operating Officer. Thank you very much, Luke. If we now turn to focus on slide nine, despite COVID-19 impacts, the overall project construction progress on the materials handling system one, which is required for sustainable first production, remains broadly in line with the definitive estimate. During Q1 2021, the primary crusher one bottom shelves were installed and the top shelves were moved to the crusher chamber for installation. In addition, conveyor belt pulling commenced on the main conveyor between primary crusher one and shaft two. 
Although progress on materials handling system one is expected to slow in Q2 21 due to site COVID restrictions, it's not expected to materially impact the timing of the undercut commencement and sustainable first production. Ongoing work suspensions continue to affect progress on shafts three and four, and the overall impact of these delays are under review. Progress of works remains dependent on mobilising key vendors and additional sinking resources into country and clearing them from quarantine. Additional shaft sinking specialists are now in Mongolia and are expected to arrive on site during May. Shafts three and four are not required to support panel zero commencement. However, they are required to support production from panels one and two during the ramp up to 95,000 tonnes per day. COVID-19 impacts are expected to continue through quarter two, despite the rapidly progressing vaccination program. But conveyor decline continues to progress with 800 equivalent metres completed in the quarter. Underground development progressed 3,500 equivalent metres and we completed 13,500 cubic metres of mass excavation. It's anticipated that lateral development rates will continue to be impacted into quarter two. And although development work has slowed as a result of the reduced site workforce numbers, almost all of the development required for the commencement of the undercut is complete. The commencement of the undercut in mid 2021 is a key milestone, and it is critical to ensure that once commenced, the undercut and draw point construction continues unimpeded. Achievement of the technical criteria required for a mid-2021 commencement of the undercut remains on track. However, the, the exact time of the undercut is under increasing pressure, principally due to the rapidly evolving understanding of the recent COVID-19 impacts. In terms of exploration, Turquoise Hill, through its wholly owned subsidiaries Asia Gold Mongolia, Peruga Exploration and SGLS, LLC operates an exploration program in Mongolia on licenses that are not part of Ayutolgoi. In Q1 2021, Turquoise Hill successfully tendered for a new lease, Hutupt. With the addition of Hutupt, Turquoise Hill now has three licenses. The exploration work plans for the three Turquoise Hill licenses have been finalised and submitted to the local authorities. So Turquoise Hill BAG and OD2 licenses the exploration team plans to continue a geophysics program. And on Hutthuft lease, the team plans to undertake several geological surveys. <laughs> Timing of the field season is dependent on the COVID-19 situation, but field work is expected to begin in late Q2 or early Q3 2021, once the required approval has been received and the entire team is vaccinated. Due to our in-country expertise and experience, TRQ is well placed to undertake regional exploration activities. With that, I'll now hand the call back to Steve. Thank you, Joanne. Moving to slide 10. I'm going to use the key milestone outlined on slide 10 to provide an overview of what we are working through for 2021 and on to 2022 to keep us on track for first sustainable production in October 2022. The first milestones are the ongoing negotiation with the government of Mongolia, which are critical to ensure the undercut can commence. As Joanne pointed out, from a technical perspective, 
criteria required for the mid-2021 commencement of the undercut remain on track. However, it is a non-technical criteria, including confirmation of necessary regulatory and legislative approval required by the government of Mongolia that are still pending and are critical elements for consideration to proceed with the decision to commence the undercut. Constructive engagement was achieved with the government of the government working group in Mongolia in April, and we anticipate a resumption of discussion in June following the 2021 Mongolian presidential election. The second milestone of 2021 is the undercut blasting currently scheduled for mid-year. Once commenced, the undercut and draw point construction continues unimpeded and we will be looking forward to ramping up to first sustainable production. The third key milestone is funding. In April, Turquoise Hill and Rio Tinto announced a binding HOA to provide a funding plan for the completion of the underground development. The funding plan is designed to address the estimated remaining funding requirement of approximately $2.3 billion, which is based on our current commodity assumptions. We remain committed to continue delivering benefit to all stakeholders, including Mongolia and its citizens, and to delivering significant long-term value for turquoise health shareholders. I would like to thank you all for taking the time to join our conference call, and we'd now like to turn the call back to the operator for questions. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, we will now begin the question and answer session. Should you have a question, please press the star followed by the one on your touchtone phone. You will hear a three-tone prompt acknowledging your request. If you are using a speakerphone, please lift the handset before pressing any keys. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. First question comes from Orest Wakadel at Scotiabank. Please go ahead. Hi, good morning. Um, I realize you've left official, all your official guidance kind of unchanged for the underground with respect to timing and, and CapEx and so forth. But at the same time, your, your release is pretty clear that you're, you're worried about increasing pressures, um, I guess both um, technical and non-technical. You know, how should we think about this moving forward? I mean, it sounds like you're going to be um, likely increasing the CapEx and pushing back the schedule unless things radically improve. Is that the right way to, to think about it? And does this really revolve around both the government uh, giving you the, the non-technical issues that you need, um, plus sort of the lifting of, of COVID restrictions? Okay, there's a couple of elements or a statement. I mean, thanks for your question. And there's a couple of elements in your question. What, we, uh, what we're focusing right now is on the undercut decision. And we've been very clear that the undercut decision has two main elements. One of technical uh, criteria, okay, which includes uh, elements of drilling and all elements. And as mentioned by Joanne, okay, the achievement of the technical criteria required for the mid-2021 commencement 
they remain on track. I mean, uh, Auris, let's face it, we were like everybody, we had some headwind with the COVID, but definitely we believe that, and we're, 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 we're on track from our point of view to, for a mid-year mid start on that one. The other elements relate to the non-technical uh, that we refer, and you could see that as the uh, approval from, uh, from uh, the government of Mongolia related to our license to operate the underground or the, uh, the underground. And we need to work with the government to uh, proceed with these, these approvals. And that's not different from any mine in the world, that you need some levels, you need some approval on some elements. And uh, so, I mean, as of today, we haven't received those ones, but we keep working with the government to receive these approvals and be able to proceed. Okay. Now, in terms of COVID and the impact, I mean, the main impact of the COVID was, uh, was in Q2, okay? And, but as you've seen, there's some uh, significant improvement in the vaccination and also the procedures that we're putting in place. We're focusing first on the safety of our employee, but uh, we expect that over the next couple of weeks, we should see an improvement in the situation in Mongolia overall and on our side. And we should be able to um, ramp up the, uh, the operation. So I'm not, I'm not telling you, but the important point is we need to evaluate what will be the impact. And today I don't have the information related to it. And, and as a follow-up, you, are you able to quantify, like, what does every one-month delay in the undercut, what, what does that translate in terms of, say, uh, impact on the capital number? Yeah. Joanne, would you like to cover that, please? Yes, absolutely. Thank you for your question, uh, Oris. So it, it depends on the reason that uh, the undercut may be delayed. And certainly, uh, as Steve was, was um, indicating, we aren't, we aren't planning for any particular delay um, in the undercut. It's certainly not a, a, a scenario that we've been putting a lot of work into, into understanding at this point in that, uh, we're working towards that start of the undercut as soon as uh, it's possible to do so. In terms of uh, other work that continues, once the undercut starts lasting, uh, we do continue work on the materials handling system one, as well as other, other important work in preparation for the start of production. And so depending on the, the reason for a particular delay that could be encountered, uh, preparatory work for commencing production could continue. And now this would obviously depend if, if the delay was as a result of uh, low numbers on site and the inability to, to continue uh, working, then, then that may impact that as a, as a scenario. But the Materials Handling System 1 has remained ahead of schedule, actually, uh, up and, and uh, you know, even, even now we're seeing uh, it's forecasting ahead of schedule. But we can see that there has been pressure on the schedule in recent weeks due to the accelerated uh, impacts of COVID controls at site. But, uh, I mean, as a follow-up, are you able to quantify, like, if... If the undercut is delayed because you you the non-technical criteria is not met, what 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 is the impact, say, per month of delay to the capex? Right, and uh, we're still trying. We're still 
would be assessing that as, as uh, you know, known delays uh, would start to occur. But given that some, you know, quite a lot of work could continue, uh, you know, it's, it's not something that uh, we necessarily uh, understand right at this moment because there would be uh, there would be work that would be ongoing. So capital would continue to be spent in other areas, uh, albeit potentially at a, at a reduced rate. Uh, and there will be ongoing assessments of the overall overall impact um, on costs and schedules as we understand the situation better. Aris, I think I think the best way to look at it, Aris, is that it's it's not the one month for this capital because other works it's it's a complex it's a complex development, and other work will be done elsewhere and some some expenses will not be done so there will be just a delay. Now, that being said, it all also depends on the timing. If it if it I mean at the moment we're saying that we're within we're within the mid year and. So I would not say a one month is equal to that to that much capital additional, and I don't think that we're not looking at the <clears throat> at the mid year mid year timing as having an impact or significant impact on the capex. You should not look at it this way from that from that point from now. Okay, thank you. And just a final final clarification: the six point seven five billion capital number for phase two. Does that include the sustaining capital related to the underground that we're, we're now seeing uh, being incurred? I, we saw some in Q1 here, and mm -hmm. just curious mm -hmm. if if the sustaining capital between now and first sustainable production is included in that 675 number. Okay. Look, do you want to uh, give the answer on that? Uh, sure. Happy to, Steve, and, and thanks for the, quest, the question, Norris. Um, the, the answer to that question is no. the The 6.75 billion does not include it. The 6.75 billion is for underground development capital expenditure, and it, it excludes underground sustaining capital um, expenditure. Um, and, and that's always been the case. If you go back and look at the the different technical reports um, that ERQ has issued. In, in 2016 and, and, and again last year in 2020, there's always been a distinction between um, the 6.75 billion underground development capital expenditure and then additional underground sustaining capex. Okay, thank you. Thank you very much, Doris. Thank you. Next question comes from Craig Hutchison at TD Securities. Please go ahead. Good morning, guys. Um, we're trying to get a little more granularity around your guidance cut, uh, particularly with gold going from you know 500,000 to 550 mm -hmm. down to 400 to 480. You know, how much of that is COVID related? You know, how much of that is is gray related? And we're kind of halfway through Q2 here. Any kind of color in terms of what we should be thinking for for throughput and grades here in Q2 would be appreciated. Thanks. Okay. I'll let Joanne respond to that. Uh, respond that, uh, Craig. Okay. Thank you, Joanne, thank, you, you thank you, Craig. Yes, no problem. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Yes. Okay. Sorry, just wanted to check there. Sorry. Uh, yes. So, uh, in terms of the change, in particular around the production guidance of gold, uh, the majority of of the change uh, in terms of that uh, the gold production uh, has been. Uh, the deferral of material to phase five 
as a result of the mine redesign uh, and we would see the delivery of that material um, in approximately two to three years time. There are some other uh, additions that have played into that change and as you mentioned COVID and assumptions around uh, productivity uh, over the next period uh, have also been factored into that change. So it is a, is a combined change of the mine redesign uh, as well as some productivity impacts and then some other, uh, other assumptions around uh, the um, ore types being fed and the, the processing uh, results we would expect from that. In terms of uh, looking forward to the rest of the year, we have had a good quarter in terms of gold production. Uh, and uh, we do expect to see Q2 having some uh, productivity impacts from the operation in terms of um, productivity from the open pit and the concentrator due to the um, COVID controls that um, have been implemented at site. However, with the vaccination program and uh, the, the controls uh, that are being used, uh, we expect to see some recovery uh, of that um, and we will be remaining in that high grade area um, of phase 4B for all of the quarters um, of 2021 and uh, we and of course, having just updated guidance, we do expect to remain uh, within that guidance for 2021. So hopefully that draws enough of a picture for you there, Craig, in terms of how those quarters will play out. I mean, I guess something else to add would be, you know, the um, in this part of the pit, the grade is quite good uh, and we can see the grade change uh, when we move around in different areas of of the pit, and uh, and so it isn't it isn't uh, straightforward to just uh, you know tell you that um, you know the grade's going to be the exact same over the next um, three quarters, but just to let you know, you know certainly what we can is which is we will remain in the high grade um, for the remaining uh, quarters of this year uh, and uh, and we do expect to meet that um, newly released guidance. Craig, uh, okay. the, the, the same way to look at it, I mean, if I would be you, I would say that, uh, I would say that like, like Joanne is saying, overall the grade would be roughly the same on, on all the quarters, except because of the COVID uh, situation in Q2, I would make an adjustment and probably spread it over the next quarters, roughly. Okay, because I mean, grades were quite high in Q1, right? They were 0.68, I think. Mm, yep. To, but we're, we're I mean, we, we're expecting to be in that grade. I mean, there's always variability, okay, but we're expecting to be uh, in, the, uh, in, in, in the high grade in the pit. Uh, for pretty much all the year, I think maybe December a little bit, but it's not it's not even uh, confirmed. But uh, I think that you should assume all year uh, would be uh, with good grade. Okay, yeah, I mean, I just okay. it, it seemed like the grades would have to fall quite sharply from Q1 in order to to hit sort of the midpoint of your guidance. But okay, um, just in, ter in terms of sales, do you guys anticipate catching up? here in Q2, or do you think there'll be some carryover into, into Q3? Luke, can you answer that, please? 
Yeah, no, uh, I will. Happy to do that, Craig. It's a good question. So uh, I, we did we did obviously declare force majeure in um, I think it was the 30, 30th of March of this year. Um, we we are now um, concentrate shipments have started again. They started again kind of um, mid April, and we do expect them to continue to. Uh, ramp up over the course of Q2 as, you know, the, the, the COVID situation in Mongolia hopefully improves with vaccinations, et cetera. And, um, you know, that's, that's what we're aiming to do. And we're working very closely with um, the government, the government of Mongolia and the government of China to sort of resume normal shipping operations as soon as possible. Um, but, but as Joanne's alluded to, there have been, you know, COVID-related impacts. We are expecting to see some, um, you know, COVID-related impacts in Q2. So what, what I would suspect is that you, you, you should see improvement over the course of Q2, but I, I, I expect there will probably still be a fairly high inventory balance at the end of Q2 which we will continue to draw down. Hopefully, you know, in, in Q3, um, we'll get back to normal by the end of Q3. That's kind of what we're targeting at the moment in terms of getting, you know, our, our inventory balances back down to normal levels. So I don't think it's something that will completely resolve itself into in Q2. Craig, to answer your question, I think it's probably going to be something that resolves itself, you know, hopefully in Q3, but definitely over the remainder of the year. Okay, thanks. Maybe Craig, one last just question. Give, Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, just, uh, Craig, just to give you a bit of flavor, uh, the, the, I mean, all, all, all truck drivers have been vaccinated, but there's additional uh, procedures at the, uh, at the border, and that increased the, the, the uh, cycle time of the delivery. Uh, but like I said, like Luke is saying, definitely we're working and putting additional resources to uh, make sure that we can move that inventory, but that will take a while. Okay, thanks. Maybe just one, one last question for me. Just in terms of how important are the Mongolian presidential elections on resolving the parliamentary uh, resolution 92? Do you need presidential sign-off, or um, you know, I guess I'm kind of wondering why those negotiations stalled and, and will resume post the, the presidential uh, election outcome? Thanks. Yeah, no. The the, the, con the context is uh, is more like uh, we had the we had the. I mean, TRQ and Rio Tinto uh, teams were in uh, in Mongolia for discussion with the gum. I was the government of Mongolia from the <coughs> excuse me here from the end of May uh, from the end of uh, March to uh, April the end of April. Um, I mean, definitely, uh, Craig. Uh, I mean, Mongolia was facing uh, a, a significant surge in. Uh, the COVID, uh, we were in uh, in an election, and that uh, we believe that the best the best for everyone was to uh, resume the discussion after the election. Okay, uh, where uh, we would be, uh, we would where that would be that would be completed. And so uh, I don't know exactly in terms of uh, detail, but definitely a um, couple of points here. Uh, all the parties are committed to. Uh, I mean. We all have a common interest, okay, uh, being the uh, the proceed or proceeding with the undercut decision, okay. Uh, we know that we need to resolve and have discussion around um, uh, Resolution 92 or a question that has been raised by the government. Uh, 
And we're definitely committed to uh, have uh, sit down and have the proper discussion in order to have. But it is it is also likely that we may, uh, I mean, we will, I mean, there's some discussion to have related to the undercut, uh, to the undercut criteria and the non-technical that we talked before. And like I said, these are license to operate or elements of license to operate that we need, we need to, we need to have. But uh, I would expect that the discussion with the government of Mongolia definitely will, uh, I mean, like I say, will, uh, will have, will resume after. And we'll have also at the after NEDAM, we'll have other period to have some discussions. But the point I want to make, Craig, is that you should not necessarily link together the undercut decision with the discussion with the government. There are some elements that would be common, but not everything. Okay, thanks, guys. Okay. Thank you. Next question comes from Ralph Perfidi at 8 Capital. Please go ahead. Good morning. Thanks for taking my questions. Good morning, Ralph. Uh, good morning. Uh, Steve and Joanne, I wanted to come back to the uh, development rates uh, in Q1 and that are also going to uh, impact Q2. Um, and, and if we just exclude the critical elements, these non-technical factors, um, what sits behind commencement of the undercut as the critical path? Um, it doesn't seem like it's shaft three and four. Is it really drawbell development and construction or materials handling? Can you help me understand that a little bit better? Okay, I'll let Joanne to answer your question, uh, Ralph. Okay, thank you. Thanks, Ralph. Uh, so uh, you're correct in, in terms of what you, you're saying there with uh, it, it's not um, shaft three and four. So they support the later ramp up. Uh, the materials handling system one, um, has been a, a key priority uh, and as we've mentioned it has been ahead um, of the um, defender estimate in terms of schedule um, but you know we're seeing headwinds with uh, these um, latest acceleration of COVID controls uh, and uh, the other piece is lateral development as you mentioned and almost all of the development required uh, to commence undercutting is complete. So the, the development is well advanced at the moment. Uh, we still do have aspects of the materials handling system that are, are under construction and they'll continue uh, uh, right up until the start of production, um, but the schedule is going relatively well and they've, they've really managed it extremely well Giving, uh, given the uh, the current um, or, or certainly the, the situation with COVID we've had, it, it might be worth just mentioning that uh, you know the materials handling system one was prioritised and and so they've done quite well. Um, you know the site currently has no active cases of COVID, uh, and and you know additional personnel are, are planned to be transported to site to increase numbers on construction uh, over the next um, few weeks as well as well as the vaccination program progressing. So, uh, you know, we, we, are, we are certainly seeing uh, green shoots here, but we also recognise that things have been difficult for, for the team uh, leading up uh, to the end of this quarter and into Q2. Hopefully that's helpful. It is, it is. Uh, thank you for that. Um, Joanne, it's also my understanding that sustainable 
case propagation occurs at 30 drawbells. Um, just wondering, do you have a target rate for drawbell construction? Where, where are you now? Where do you expect to be, say, you know, mid-2021, end of 2021? Can you help us with a little bit of a, a schedule on drawbell construction? Yes, yeah, so the, there certainly is a, a schedule for, for drawbell construction. Uh, with, the, with the style of, uh, of cave mining that uh, we're using uh, at List 1 of, of Oyotolgoi uh, for Hugo North Mine, uh, the undercut passes over uh, the extraction level prior to the, de the development uh, and the blasting of drawbells. So we currently don't have any drawbells and we won't until we re until uh, we, we start firing the, the undercut and we actually uh, are able to um, safely start doing that work. Uh, and so that is uh, something that is, that is after the start of undercutting, if you like. Uh, in addition, uh, in terms of the actual timing of uh, sustainable first production, that the estimate of the of the number of bells um, is a reasonable estimate as we understand the rock mass. Um, but ultimately, the start of production is governed by the rock mass and its behaviour um, after we undercut, and uh, we have the cave instrumented to understand um, when caving commences, and that will be when. Uh, the first sustainable production actually commences. Right. So the number of draw, draw bells is an approximation. It should be reasonably close, um, but ultimately we will be looking to the rock mass to give us the the, um, the go ahead there um, and meet the criteria to, to start production uh, in 2022. Got it, well understood. Yes, got it, thanks very much. Thank you. Next question comes from Jackie Pshibilovsky at BMO. Please go ahead. Thanks very much. I guess I just want to circle back to um, to Steve's response to Oris and then and then to Craig. I mean, you've mentioned a couple times, Steve, that you need to see a license to operate in Mongolia, and I think this is uh, specifically uh, related to Resolution 92. But also, I mean, Joanne, when she was answering Aura's question, she said that you're still doing prep work on materials handling and other items. Is it is it one or the other? Like, do you need a license to operate to do both the undercut and, I mean, spending any other capital underground? Uh, wouldn't wouldn't that kind of be the same? Uh, I'm just I'm a little confused as to why you're we're pursuing some of the development activities, um, but not the undercut. Um, why why wouldn't they be kind of under the same um under the same kind of thought process yeah 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 let me answer that uh, Jackie. i think there are a couple of the main elements you had in your uh, in your statement or your question here that i just want to uh i just want to answer uh <clears throat> the first the first one relates to the uh the non technical and the resolution 92 you should separate those two okay because in order to operate any mine in the world, you need uh, you need some approval by the uh, by the government and some elements that are uh, are related to your, your license to operate. For example, okay, an annual mine plan approved by the government, okay, and these are I mean that's just one example uh, example among other things that you would have. And so there's elements right now that we're waiting approval, we submitted, and but we're waiting approval from the government to be able to proceed. And 
where this is where we need to to discuss with the government and the the, uh, the different departments to make sure that we're moving on these elements. And some of those ones have not been have not been received yet, and we want to proceed there. The second element is that on on the negotiation you put that separate, okay? But it's also important to understand that once you start the undercut, uh, that's it. I mean, you cannot stop it. So you need to make sure that you have the proper the proper authorization and approval to proceed with it because there's no there's no other way to to change it. Okay, the underground mine itself and the lateral development is not mining yet; is getting ready for the for the for the uh, for mining, but it's not necessarily the mine the mining yet. Okay. But when you start the undercut, you're really starting the mining operation and you cannot stop it. And we want to make sure that when we start, we won't have uh, we won't have any delay because what is most important uh, during the undercut is to make sure that you progress at the right level. So you guarantee the um, the sustainable production at a specific time. OK, so is it is it fair to say um... So thanks for the clarification. Is it fair to say that that the undercut can start before the investment agreement is finalized? That's, I would say yes. Okay. I, I think that That's it would be reasonable, Jackie. It would be reasonable to say that we could we could proceed without having resolved these elements because we are committed to resolving it. Okay, because that's important it needs to be resolved. Uh, but at the same time. We could definitely, when we get the approval uh, to proceed with the uh, the undercut, uh, we can we can move ahead. Got it. Like, thanks very much for that clarification. That's that's really helpful. Thanks, Steve. That's that's it for me. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Next question comes from Dalton Barreto at Canaccord. Please go ahead. Oh, I do apologize. Oris Wackadow at Scotiabank. Oh, thanks for taking the follow-up. Um, this one's actually for Luke. Um, if you, on the your estimate for the uh, financing requirement, the the 2.3 billion, can you give us a little bit more color on on minimum cash assumptions in that? Like, i.e., does your does your existing debt require you to maintain a certain minimum cash, or does that assumption, or is that not the case? And you know, does that that estimate of 2.3 assume you're taking your cash effectively to zero at some point next year. Yep. So the estimate of 2.3 billion um, would assume that that we're taking the cash all the way down to zero. Um, obviously, we wouldn't want it to get to that point, but um, the, the 2.3 billion does does assume we 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 take the cash balance all the way down to zero. And of course, the objective at the moment is is to focus on implementation of the HOA so we're able to resolve um, you know that funding gap well in advance of, of getting to that point so but um, thank you for that but does your existing debt require you to maintain a certain minimum cash balance or do you have no restrictions um, I'm gonna have to get back to you on that question I don't I don't believe it does but but let, I'll have to follow that. I'll have to follow that question up and get back to you. Okay, thank you. And Aris, I would say that uh, there's uh, there, there, there's there's a lot of elements, and you've seen the. the I'm not saying that it's going to be less, guys. I'm not saying that our estimate is 2.3, but there's a lot of est there's there's a lot of information in the pricing and all that that's happening. So 
is very variable uh, environment at the moment. But uh, like like Luke is saying, we'll get back to you on that hundred hundred million or any amount required if we have any. Thank you. Thank you. Next question is from Dalton Barreto at Canaccord. Please go ahead. Uh, thanks. Uh, good morning, everybody. Steve, I want to pick up on good what morning, Jackie Delta. was asking. Good morning, Steve. I, I want to pick up on what Jackie was asking you about, and specifically what you said in terms of the undercut being able to progress without Resolution 92 satisfied. Um, is that something you guys would be willing to do? My understanding was that Rio would refuse to progress unless that happens, specifically because, as you said, once you start the underground, there's no stopping. So if Resolution 92 is not resolved, you're basically hostage now. Okay. Well, we need, I mean, there are a couple of elements there. Okay. Uh, the first one, uh, we need, uh, how, can I, how can I approach that? The key element, okay, is that from the, the first element we need to resolve is make sure, uh, Dalton, that we, we have the license, the elements or the approval from the license to operate, okay? Um, we are committed, I mean, let's face it, there is differences and the Resolution 92 brings some concern from the government of Mongolia to be resolved and it's around the cost of the projects and the distribution of benefits. Uh, I mean, this is negotiation that we're going to have and will take a certain time. However, both parties are committed to make sure that we are creating and we're proceeding with the value of, of, the, of the project. And despite the fact that it may take some time for these, all the detail of Resolution 92 to be resolved, okay, What's important is that we move ahead with the approval of the, uh, the, the I would call it the regulatory approval to proceed with the, undergr the, the underground. And we can work together to fix, not to fix, but to discuss the resolu resolution 92 and be able to move forward. So there's a scenario where you definitely can separate the two and have a, a proper discussion around the, uh, the elements or, or concern that we have in the Resolution 92 while still proceeding with the undercut. But I would say, um, Dalton, we're, we're uh, I mean, it's, uh, we have 79 floors of that 80 floor building done. Uh, what's important is that we move ahead and we, we're, we're, we're creating the value while we're having this discussion, with the, 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 the proper discussion with the government around the the, um, around the their concern around the cost and the benefits. But I guess I'm wondering, you know, A, why would the government give you approval to proceed if the economics are uncertain? And B, why would you guys want to proceed if the economics are uncertain? Um, I think that, I mean, how can I, uh, definitely that what is important for us First, uh, Dalton, we are aligned. Uh, the government and, uh, and, and, and the company, uh, we are aligned that we need, to, we need to create and generate the value. Uh, the distribution of that value uh, is, is going to be something that we're going to have to, uh, to discuss and have the proper discussion. From my point of view, I mean, we, we are there. It's, uh, we need to, uh, it's, uh, we're at the, uh, like I said, this project is mostly completed 
and we need to make sure that we're proceeding and moving with the important element, which is which is the undercut. And we need to find a way to resolve the the the, the funding uh, at the appropriate time and have the dedication to do it on both sides. And I think that's doable. That's my view. Okay, so on the assumption that you get the approval to proceed with the undercut and that you initiate the undercut, and then you get to a point in the, in the negotiations where you know, you're at an impasse on Resolution 92, uh, how do you handle that then if you can't stop the undercut? I mean, definitely I'm confident that we can, we can find a path forward, Belton, definitely. Okay. Uh, maybe switching gears to something else Craig asked you about, but I, I, I was sort of confused as to the answer, and that's you know got to do with the gold uh, production this year. If your if your gold rates are going to stay approximately the same, um, what's driving the lower uh, the, the lower guidance? Is it throughput? I mean, where exactly is COVID nineteen impacting you? Okay, Joanne, you want to answer that, please? Yeah, sure. And I think that was I'm really pleased you asked that you asked that question, Dalton, because I don't think that was the right takeaway. It certainly wasn't what I was trying to say. What I was trying to say is that there has been, if we look at the guidance for the year and we do some simple maths on the gold that has been produced in Q1, then we look at the remainder of the year, we're still going to have production in each of those quarters from the higher grade area of phase 4B. However, we can also see that quarter two, uh, will have um, some impact as a on, on production from the pit and through the plant as a result of, of the uh, COVID-19 controls that we've had in place over recent weeks at site. So there will be an impact on Q2. Uh, however, we do remain in those high grades and we've just updated the, the production guidance. So is that is that helpful? It is. I'm just under, uh, trying to understand Sorry, I've lost you. Is it we I think we lost you, Dalton. Operator, are you still uh Dalton okay. is still Dal connected? Perhaps his line may have gotten muted. Dalton? Um, I'm still here. Can you hear me now? Yes, go now ahead. Now we can. Oh, sorry. Yeah, you know, I've been having issues with this call for the last 30 minutes or so. Um, so, yeah, my, my, I guess my question is, if you're going to be in the higher grades, should we then assume that the impact is on the amount of material you're mining and processing? And then is that restricted just to Q2 or the rest of the year? Yeah, so, I mean, I guess I was not, to be clear, I was not saying we would be processing the same grade for every quarter of the year. So what I was saying is that we will be in the higher grade areas of the pit for the remainder of the year. But if we do some maths between the the, uh, the production guidance just released and what what's um, being produced in Q1, we'll see what 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 we think will happen over the remaining three quarters. And that's as much guidance as I can give. There is variability in these high grade areas. It's not. You know, we're not mining iron ore or bauxite. There is a lot of difference in the grades in these parts of the pit. And there is variability with COVID that we're seeing for the rest of the year. So 
you know, I'd, I'd love to provide you with a bit more granularity, but I just think, don't think it's appropriate given the uncertainties around which we're talking. Dalton, another way to look at it, uh, uh, Dalton, another way to look at it is that um, the uh, and, and I guess you're speaking you're speaking mostly around the around the gold. Okay, uh, when you look at the gold, the gold is at, at more specific area in the in the pit. It's right at the bottom. Okay, and in very specific area, and you can you can say that way because of the slip, we had to do a step in. So that means that we had to uh, we have to make lost some benches, okay, or, or, or and, and make it less accessible at the bottom of the pit. So technically, okay, with that current 4B, we modified the current 4B, where we don't have all the access that we wanted to have at the bottom of the pit, where some of the uh, high-grade uh, gold was, okay. It will be mined later, okay, we'll be able to mine it later, but this year we don't have access. Now, on the copper side, we have other area because the distribution of the ore, the copper, the, the copper ore is, is different. We have access elsewhere. So that's why we have less of a change in the, in the copper guidance. That's mostly what it is. Okay, so, so that's more clear because, you know, we keep talking about the COVID-19 impact, but what you just said is it's a function of the pit wall slip. And, and that's kind of what I was trying to get at because in your Q4 disclosure, it said that there wasn't going to be an impact on guidance. And, and so I just wanted to clarify. So this is a function of the pit wall slip and access to certain zones that you had planned on mining but can't right now. It is. And the reason why we, I mean, we said that means it takes a while. You understand that with uh, evaluating, evaluating the fault and, and how it will behave and you try something and it doesn't work, you have to step in more. That has an impact eventually. And that's what we're saying this quarter that Finally, it, did, it had a, a bigger impact than what we originally uh, had planned because we had not finished all the analysis. Understood. Thank you, guys. Okay. Take care. Thank you. That concludes today's Q&A session. I will now turn the call back over for closing remarks. Yes, thank you very much, uh, everybody, for attending this call. Really want to appreciate your um, your time and your interest. If there's any follow-up questions, uh, you can reach out to myself, Roy McDowell, uh, info at turquoisefield.com or, or my email address. So on that, um, uh, thank you again for attending and hope everybody has a great day. Thank you very much. Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes your conference call for today. We thank you for participating and we ask that you please disconnect your lines. Have a great day. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.